Bulletin's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's been a busy few days. Had the draft, had the uh, Eberle trade, had the Russell resigning, Cassian resigning today. You had the Eskimos play their first game. By the way, how about that story Peter Shirelli told about meeting first-round draft pick Kyler Yamamoto at the Combine a few weeks ago? Kyler can do a lot of things, and he's he's pretty he's a pretty driven kid. The one, one thing that sticks out in my mind is when we were having uh, we took him out to dinner at the combine, and he and he, we were just eating there and, and, and talking, and he's like, he said, "Why should we draft you?" And that's a standard question you ask, and I, I've never really heard this answer. He said that uh, you got to draft me because otherwise I got to come back and haunt you. So he's a pretty confident kid. I mean, that was an impressive answer, and uh, and he backs it up with his plays. Yeah, you like that, don't you? You better draft me or I'm going to come back and haunt you. Little guy, five foot eight, about 153 pounds, smallest player ever taken in the first round of the NHL draft by a general manager who generally likes big guys. But maybe better to say he likes guys who can compete for the puck and play hard on the puck, and Yamamoto able to do that in the WHL despite being a small player. Sixth in the league in scoring. You don't get sixth in the league, 99 points in 65 games if you're not getting to those tough areas of the ice. We'll see if he can continue to develop as a pro. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. A lot of headlines today. I mentioned some of the Oilers news. J.C. Sherrod is out for the season for the Eskimos. Head coach Jason Moss will be in studio with uh, Morley Scott in the next half hour of the show. And another big headline, Claire Drake, longtime Alberta Golden Bears hockey coach, 28 seasons as coach of the Bears, six national titles, 697 wins, finally inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Pleased to be joined by one of his former players and now the coach of the U of A Pandas, Howie Draper. Howie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Great, Reed. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you, especially under these circumstances. I'll just start generally. How do you feel that this has finally happened for Coach Drake? Uh, well, I'm elated. I, I don't <laughs> this is probably um as good as our last national championship <laughs> you know like with the pandas it's just uh it's so great to see him finally recognized at that level and uh i mean he certainly deserves it he probably i i think he probably uh could have had it a little bit earlier but um you know who am i to say but you know i i, I think there's many people out there that have such a huge amount of respect for him that this is uh, that we all feel that this is uh, this is great to see it finally happen. Uh, Howie, if if memory serves, and looking at your stats correctly, uh, you had four of your five years under Coach Drake, because I think one of the years was when he took a leave and Billy Moore's coached the team. Is that right? Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, so I played under him for four years. Okay, you know I had Ian Herbers on in the last half hour so I want to ask you the same question just what made him such an effective coach I mean he kept coaching and he kept winning and sometimes coaches uh, you know their strategies or their motivations wear off on players clearly that was never the case with him what made him not only so great but so great for so long well you know it's 
I, I think it's hard to pin it on one trait or skill or, or characteristic that Coach Drake had. I think there are a lot of things there, but um, the biggest thing for me was his humility in this. Uh, and, and so humility plays out in a lot of different ways, um, particularly as you've just alluded to, you know, and something that I struggle with on a regular basis is, you know, I've been coaching for 20 years and he's coached for 30 odd years. It's, it's hard to keep your players interested and, and keen on the message that you're trying to pass on. And I think one of the things that he recognized is that um, he needed to he needed to do a variety of things. He needed to bring in different people to give the the same message in a different way. And he was he was the kind of guy, like I say, his humility. He was the kind of guy that would step aside and give other people uh, center stage to to give that message. I think that was part of it. Um, I think he was also well. I don't think I know he was also an outstanding innovator. So he always had different ideas, and he was always looking for different ways to help his players develop as people, uh, as athletes, and as students. And, um, and I think that all contributed, you know, to this, to this tremendous culture and this tremendous program that he was able to build. And as a result, uh, you know, there's so many men out there right now that um, I would say he, he had a tremendous amount of impact on. I mean, did is it like all, all most coaches, and I, and I know Coach Drake's very cerebral, but most coaches sometimes maybe have to yell or scream or send a message. Did, did he ever do that kind of thing, or was he always about you know thinking and and taking initiative and being being responsible, or did, was did he ever have to make you hate him a little bit? <laughs> I well, I I think that the funny thing about Coach Drake is that he. Um, he communicated in a different way. So <clears throat> he never yelled and screamed. Uh, very, very rarely. I think I remember one time where he actually yelled at a player who at that time was doing something on the ice. I think that player was losing control and you know was about to take a penalty, and he saw that, so he was trying to do his best to stop the player. But he never yelled at referees. He never yelled at, uh, at his players. Um, he never swore. Uh, he, he was always very methodical in the way that he he behaved i think he he knew that uh he was always the model and that we were looking at him to to how best to behave in situations of of when pressure was high and um you know and but i think he found people that that were able to bring in what seemed to be if you want to call it a little bit more passionate not to say that he wasn't passionate about what he did i think he had a lot of passion but he he wasn't that guy that was going to kick a garbage can or uh, you know, in the heat of the moment, um, uh, you know, just get very, uh, very heated. Um, he, he found people that kind of provided that, that role. And again, that's his humility, right? Stepping aside and letting other people that had strengths in different areas um, fill in the gaps in, in areas where he, he didn't feel maybe he had the strength or the skill in or, or, um, or that he didn't feel was the, what, what he wanted to model. Howie Draper joining us on Inside Sports, talking about Claire Drake, who today at the age of 88 gets inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. The actual ceremony will be in November. Um, you know, so much to talk about, but you have an interesting connection here with, with Coach Drake besides having played for him for four seasons. 
You wrote, and I'll, and I'll let you fill in some of the details because I, Howie, of course, have not obtained this level of education. Uh, but uh, you, you did a master's. What was it? Was it on, like, was it on Claire? Was it on his, his coaching? What exactly was this? Yeah, it was, it was primarily on his leadership style. Um, again, I, I just think that what amazes me is the impact that he had on me. So that it, was life, it was really life-changing for me. And, um, and then once I became a coach and, and I had a better, and particularly once I left the program and I, I met all these other alumni and I started to get a, a sense for, for the impact that he had on the hockey community, the coaching community throughout North America and really throughout the world. Um, but, but this tremendous impact that he had on individuals' lives and how successful they all were and how many were coaching largely because of you know the, what he was able to to uh, transfer the knowledge he was, he was able to transfer to him and the passion for the game and all those things um so that that just got me thinking that here's a guy that obviously knows something about leadership and what was it exactly that that had this influence on all these people in the hockey world so you know when guys like uh mike babcock and ken hitchcock and uh uh, Ken Dryden even has a word to say about him. And, you know, all these people, he's impacted them in various ways. Then you know that there's something there that's pretty special. So I wanted to find out what, what was special about that. And, uh, yeah, so, so I just, I, I got in, uh, I tried to find some some of the players that he uh, that he had coached in the past and, you know, talked to uh, some other coaches that coached with him and, um and tried to find out what it was that made him so special, and and uh, so that led me to completing my masters. Did you? Did my you... hope really was was that it would uh, I'd be able to share it with others, which is literally what I do. Anytime I talk to somebody, I bring up Coach Drake, but it also I, w- I would hope that it, and I think it has helped me as a coach and as a person and as a leader myself. So, did you start that while you were still playing, or was that all after your playing career you did that? No, I got into that uh, just about five years ago, five or six years ago. I oh, cool. Um, okay. I decided, yeah. All right. So it was, yeah. Awesome. Okay, uh, Howie. I mean, this is just so much incredible stuff about about Claire Drake. I, I said earlier we could do a full day of people's memories and uh, his stats and accomplishments and and his impact on people. You mentioned how he affected you. Uh, do, do you still talk to him? Do you still talk hockey with him? Because, you know, Ian Herbers obviously coached the Bears uh, uh, th- three years ago, for three years. Um, do, do you still get to bend his ear every once in a while? And if so, what's that like? Yeah, I, I uh, not so much in the last few years, to be honest. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think that I I had the awesome opportunity to spend a good year to two years with him and, and bent his year a lot as I was going through my master's program. So from time to time, I'll still go and see him. And, and when I do, of course, the first thing that he always asks is, how is the team going? And, uh, you know, how are things going in terms of, of my coaching and, and in my career? And he's always been like that. Like he's the first guy when you win a national championship, he's the first guy to send an email to congratulate you even to this day. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Any time, any chance I get to be able to, to you know, get a little bit, a little bit more knowledge from the master, um, I'd, I'd certainly take it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such it's such a positive story. I was so happy when I heard this because usually I've done interviews 
uh, about people being dumbfounded that he that he wasn't in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I, I'm glad he's he's getting in because he's an important part. And 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 like I said, how this isn't just a bunch of Edmonton people sitting here saying put our guy in, right? Like you mentioned, he yeah. affected the hockey world. I I know there were NHL coaches. Uh, and you mentioned a couple of them, Hitchcock and Babcock, who had been beating the drum. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, that all paid off finally. Yeah. Well, you know, every literally every hockey conference that I go to, his name comes up by one of the speakers. So it's it, like it's that profound. No, in terms. No, let me let me in terms of what his leadership, his strategy. Well, in terms of what I think, I think really everything. Um, the, probably the biggest thing, and again, this comes back to his humility, is that he would share everything. So he would—he was one of those guys who would find different ways to do to do things, and then he would share that. And he, he was like a researcher and like an academic in that way because he would share them with the intent of seeing if other people could take the, take that information and maybe see if it works for them. And if it if it does, then he knows it's a sound idea. And and then not just that, but he would like to see people grow that idea you know where where he comes from a time and you know probably very similar to nowadays where a lot of coaches if there's some some new great new piece of information they keep that tight to their chest because they don't they don't want to lose that edge well he was the exact opposite he would share it with everybody in the hope that everybody would get get better and grow the game of hockey which i think led to to again that an influence that he's had around the world yeah, awesome stuff. Howie, thanks so much uh, for your thoughts about Claire Drake. Such a positive story, and I uh, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for checking in tonight. Always happy to co- talk about Coach Drake, Reed, so thank you for the opportunity. Right on. That is Howie Draper, four-year player under Claire Drake. He did play five years for the Alberta Golden Bears. Drake was his coach for four, and now the head coach of the uh, U of A Pandas. Very successful program they've had, including uh, winning the national championship this year. We've had members of his team on the show over the past couple of months as well. Always glad to talk to Howie, and uh, more on Claire Drake on 630Ched.com. It is 719. We got Jason Moss ready to come in studio with Morley Scott. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. It's in Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So, Claire Drake, great U of A coach going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Another U of A story today, former Golden Bear player Derek Ryan re-signing with the Carolina Hurricanes. Of course, Ryan was a Masterson Trophy finalist this past season. Craig Anderson from Ottawa wound up winning the award. Interesting, Derek Ryan uh, with a little bit to say about Oilers' first-round draft pick, Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, about uh, about uh, Kyler Yamamoto. About, you know, maybe, you know, because he's just, you know, he absolutely crushed it at the Combine. He, he, did, he might have done better there than any other player and helped himself even more. Yeah, I kind of read that. I was, I was impressed by that. But, yeah, Kyler, he's just, I think maybe some fans might be a little worried about his size and um, obviously he's just a young kid still, so he's got a lot of time to, to grow into that frame. But at the same time, I, I'm not worried about him growing up or getting bigger at all because his his escapability and it just reminds me of like a Johnny Goudreau almost where he can, he can make plays in small areas. He's not afraid to go to the small areas or the tough areas in front of the net or in the corners. Honestly, I think that's where he does most of his damage. You can he can go into the corner with a six foot five D man and still come out with a puck and 
and make a play and create a scoring chance. So he's, he's just one of those players that um, I think some people might be surprised, even though he's a first-rounder. They might be surprised by how skilled and how talented he is. And and uh, I'm not predicting anything, but I could see Kyler playing with uh, Connor McDavid and, and really doing some damage in the NHL. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch him kind of take off and and uh, see what he can do in the NHL at some point because I know it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Has he... All right, high praise there. That was earlier today. Derek Ryan on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Full interview on the uh, show page on 630Ched.com. Going to be exciting to see how that young man develops. Pretty exciting player. So... Again, a lot of headlines today. We've been talking a lot about Claire Drake. Oilers with qualifying offers for Dreisaitl, Lalesia, Simpson, and Yakimov. Museal and Samuelson do not get QOs, so they become UFAs. Sometimes people are like, what do all these letters stand for? <laughs> well, that's not the voice they use, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Cassian, it's the voice you hear. <laughs> he's Cassian, three years, $5.85 million. Share it out for the season. Uh, uh, what have I missed? I feel like there's uh, there's a lot. Most of it good, I guess. Uh, Claire Drake certainly good. The Sherritt injury not good. Uh, Morley Scott here in studio. I know you're going to talk about that with Jason Moss, who's, yep. who's ready to pop in. So they've lost two of their three starting linebackers for the season. Already, yeah. Like one guy never played. One, he never got to put the pads on in training camp. It was two non-pad days before he got uh, he got hurt. That's Corey Greenwood. Now Jason uh, J.C. Sherritt is uh, done. And uh, it's gonna. I guess Corey uh, Corey Jones is the next man up. I mean, you think about it now. Uh, Ladler, who's kind of a, a linebacker, right? He right plays, he's in that. He's, he's yeah. DB kind of, but more. You know, he is the uh, he is the guy with the most experience down the backfield. He, he played 18 games last year, <laughs> and one more this year. So. Well, Konar had a heck of a game, though. Oh, he was, he was all over the place. And, and I was really... And, I, and look, it was a close game. We could easily be sitting here saying, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. They, oh. they, I mean, they did they did let a lead get away in the last five minutes. Hit, but the, then, hit the post on a field goal. Yeah, I mean, in BC... Made, here's the thing. BC ultimately made a couple more mistakes, and the Eskimos made a couple more big plays. And the, the I, here's the thing, though. You know how the importance I place on that D-line, Morley. And this is a oh, good Eskimos they were good. D-line. They were good. Yeah, they, they were pressure all night long. Five sacks, pressure all night long, really forcing Jennings to throw the ball. I think just a split second longer than he wants to. And that doesn't sound like much, but it just disrupts all sorts of timing for the receivers and everybody else involved. So, yeah, the D-line, it could be special this year. Well, and that'll take uh, that'll take a little bit of pressure off the the secondary. Though you know, it's nice to see Arjun Colhoun starting, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to get better. You know, John, Johnny Adams obviously had a couple of tough plays, but I mean, he's a centimeter away from deflecting that ball on on the one. And then that was that one pi call. I think that's the one that bugs a lot of fans because I think you just kind of the hand the hand checking. Yeah. And if you you watch an NFL game. And they really let the hand checking go. Yeah. Now, if there's a grab or an arm bar, they call that. But I, I really think they're enforcing and, the and hand I was, checking. I was watching the game again today, and it was a good discussion point brought up by uh, Chris Cuthbert and Glenn Suter. They're talking about uh, Williams and how he kind of just a little push off sometimes, right, off the off yep. the DB, and that's allowed. But that so that if that's allowed, why isn't that hand checking allowed all the time? Well, I guess they want to give the advantage to the offensive player. Yeah, but. 
Offense sells tickets, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, what Adams did, I, I didn't view him as really impeding nah, the was... player to, to catch the ball. I, I mean, if they're swatting at each other. And I think that's a lot of times when that's happening, they're swatting at each other. I mean, I guess if the DB's chopping the guy's arm three, four times in a row, then then maybe the flag yeah. comes out. But I, I know it's a it's a The only thing I did, he swatted him. The only thing I saw that maybe means he kind of left his hand there, kind of hooked his hand a little bit. So he couldn't bring that hand up at the last second. But it's close. It's, well, uh, we got a minute left, and you got Jason Moss coming. And Claire Drake, finally more. I love Claire I mean, Drake. It's about time. Yeah, he's just been. Because uh, you did games. I did the Golden Bear games, and he was coaching. Saved me a lot of money one time when the Nationals were in uh, Charles Rivers. I'll be quick here. Uh, I paid for my own way to go there, and he found out the Bears were eliminated. He said, "You're paying for your own hotel room." And I said, "Yeah, I am." He says, "All right, we'll get a cot for you, put you in the rooms." I slept in Rick Swan and Perry Zappernick's room for two nights. Saved you a little bit of money. Saved me some money, so I'm always grateful to Claire Drake. Great man. Hey, you miss anything today? It's all on 630 Tons of Eskimos content in the next half hour. Eskimos Coaches Show, Jason Moss, is coming in to talk to Morley. Thanks to the studio producer tonight, Patrick Bauer. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. I am 6 to 8 tomorrow. Look forward to talking to you then.